and we are live. Welcome back to Around the Mat. I'm your host, the guy that gives points or poots, Conscious Keelan, sending it over to the host with the most, the man, the myth, the fedora-wearing legend, Brandon McCatherine. What's up? BrandonMC.Ninja. That's my IG and my website. Y'all better check it out. We're also joined today by UFC middleweight Julian Marquez. What up, what up, what up, everyone? We've got 10th Planet Black Belt, the Dream 10P, Stephen Eakin. What's up, everybody? What's up? And also joining us is Matt Scaff. Oh. Back at it. Had a bad week last week, but I'm ready to give some takes. Some poots. All right. He's going to get pooted on. I can feel it. Roll right into it. All right. So starting out on the agenda, we want to talk about the Hulk controversy. Did he get put to sleep in regulation? What happened there, guys? Let's start with you, Brandon. Well, I got a pretty a pretty simple take on this, and it's that Hulk should have lost. He was unconscious. It's the same take. It's the same take that I have on Matt Hughes versus Carlos Newton. If anybody remembers that old match, this is Carlos Newton was the champion back in the old times in the UFC. He had a fight with Matt Hughes. Carlos Newton put him in a triangle choke. Matt Hughes lifted him up. And Carlos Newton's head was up on top of the cage. And when uh, Carlos Newton, he made Matt Hughes pass out with the triangle choke. But as they fell, Carlos hit his head, knocked unconscious. They're both unconscious on the ground. And Matt Hughes wakes up first, so they declared him the winner. But really, he went to sleep first. They declared Matt Hughes the winner. I thought it should have been Carlos Newton. In this particular matchup with Hulk, I felt that it was pretty obvious who the winner should have been. He was asleep when the bell went off. Hulk should have lost the match. Denise should have been the winner. I feel I feel super firm about that. I don't feel there's any other way to interpret it. Yeah, what do you got? You know, this is a tough case. I, I think what this really shows more than anything is that instant replay, right? it gets it wrong sometimes. And so I'm watching so many sports rely on instant replay. If you were going to use instant replay, you need to make sure you're 100% getting it correct and you need to have a very, very uh, quick, quick judgment. You watching this match, right? First, the match was super boring until the last minute and a half. And that's when all the craziness happened. Typical. Right? Very typical. Craziness happens. And then they take about 10 minutes to decide who wins. Everybody thought Denise should have won. Yeah. Except, okay, except a few people. They went with Hulk. Now, the big controversy was, was he asleep before the time went off? The judge, or I should say the referee, didn't do a good job of stopping the match. Like, he looked like he was at, like, a badminton match. He was just standing there, and he just put his hands up like a typical IBJJF dude. And it's like, dude, you need to rush in. Like, if you're going to stop the submission, and you go like, you need to be on top of that. So, in my opinion, the ref made a huge, huge mistake. Um, Hulk went to sleep and then acted like he just won the ADCC gold medal. Uh, when they announced the decision, he did the Brazilian, oh, I'm Hulk, oh. 
you know, and it was the most cringy thing I've ever seen. Denise just laughing, going, I just killed you, right? In yeah, real life, I, I just killed you. You just went to sleep. Everybody knows who the people's champ is of that match. It's definitely Mateus Denise. Stephen Eakin, what you got? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with the fact that it was definitely Hulk asleep as the bell rang. I think the referee, two things kind of agree with Scaff, messed it up. He was looking over to give an advantage is what I think for something that was going on, kind of <laughs> like, like yeah. the and then he had to look back behind him as time was running out to see when when the clock was over. Uh, Let's see if his IBJJF overlords would approve <laughs> of his decision, man. See if I can get enough points here for this near death experience from my man uh, that he's experienced. You know, right here at the end of this match. So it's definitely clearly to Denise. Uh, there's not really any other way to see it. it's a technical submission in that way. And another thing I think I would like to bring up is maybe in some of these rule sets, uh, we can have it where if there's a submission attack on. The, the clock doesn't stop. It still goes until the submission attack is freed and uh, there's like a position change or something like that. Uh, that way we could avoid stuff like this where as time runs out, someone's, you know, in an arm bar or a choke or whatever and, uh, you know, they get saved by the bell. Dude, you remember that was actually the Metamorris rule set back in the day. You remember when Eddie versus Hoyer right. went down, that match ended in a submission attempt and uh, it was supposed to keep going mm -hmm. until – if it ends in a submission, we keep going until the mm -hmm. until the submission attempt is no longer until it's completed, and they stopped that one too. So there, that was that was controversial at the time as well. Julian, what do you think? Man, you have time limits and for a reason. And the thing is, there was no one giving the ref any time. It's all on the ref's fault because if you look, Denise had that hold beyond the actual amount of time. So. You could sit here and make controversy or whatever. Yeah, he was out, but we don't necessarily know if he was out right at the bell because if you would have let go, could he have been there? He held on to that submission probably like oh, looked about like almost five seconds after the clock was at zero. If you would have stopped that, that five seconds may have gave him a little fuzzies. But in all honesty, we have time limits. So whenever it's done at that time, it's over. If you look at Ricky Simone versus uh, – what is it? Uh, the uh, Lavish. Ricky was getting his butt kicked the entire time. Ended up getting a uh, mounted guillotine, or uh, it was at a mounted guillotine. He held on to it, and time went out. They stopped it, and Davilavish was Murad Davilavish was was unconscious, and he was sitting there. And they looked at him. They assessed him. He was out before the the uh, the time was out. So then they turned the call in. Uh, TKO win for. Uh, Ricky Simone and that's the same thing here is the time was out but he held on to the submission longer so if you want to make this uncontroversial you have to have better judging and someone sitting there screaming time so we don't get into this situation so Julian you're a you're a top level UFC fighter right you are in the UFC what is everyone told right until the ref stops the match even you'll mm -hmm. see even as like you know the, especially if it's like a really really tightly contested um there's a lot of action going on you'll see the ref right in mma was he sees the clock going down he'll make sure he's there to stop any extra activity after the bell protect yourself at all times a hundred percent right 
And this ref, he's the one that completely screwed it up, in my opinion. And he's the one that really, I think, needs to, uh, or I think really we need to look at refs um, because they play a huge part in, in the combat sports. They're there to keep the athletes safe. And until, in my opinion, until he stops the match, until he tells, uh, you know, Denise to let go, that match is still going. Yeah, it's definitely all the referee is the authority, right? In all, in all situations, it, it should be his call. They shouldn't have taken 10 minutes to go over there and decide. If he thought that it was a win or a loss, if he thought it was a, a choke out or the points win or whatever it was, in that moment, you got to make the call. You can't you can't sit there and, and go back and watch the replay because I watched the replay too, and I think if you watch it, you can you can make the clock look like five seconds or four seconds or whatever maybe that he was holding on to it longer. Uh, but it did look like he was like passing out as the top as the uh, clock was running out too on some of the things I saw. But the referee just needs to make the call as time runs out, whatever it is, then and just stand with that and don't don't like take this ten minutes to make a decision or there wouldn't have been any controversy. So that's the thing is like if you look, if we, we go to UFC stuff. We have situations where the referee didn't step in and a fighter got. Uh, eliminated or he got uh, disqualified. Hector Lumbar versus CB Dalloway. Right mm -hmm. after the bell, the buzzard rings. It's the ref's job to jump in. The ref didn't jump in. Literally, you hear a bell and CB Dalloway gets rocked by Hector Lumbar with a straight left hand that knocked him out. And they called it a uh, disqualification, but it's the ref's job to jump in. Where you see all these refs, the moment you hear that loud buzzard, the ref jumps in. And in this tournament, there was no loud buzzer. There's no one telling you the time. And that, that that uh I guess, ref has to look at the time and also look at the match. But in all honesty, all of our eyes were on that match. We were like, oh, shit. Like, dude, he might have this finish. He might have this mission. He might tap. So you get lost in it as a fan, as a ref. So you just need better refing, in all honesty. Like, you have to have that or you have to have a better, you know, time – noise whenever the time runs out because this controversy could have been easily avoided had we heard the bell go the ref goes in there and we let go we would either known if hulk was out at that bell time or if it was just fuzzy enough to where he was just kind of like whomping in that area you know what i mean like right when you right before you're about to go out and you come back and you have all the blood rushes to your body and you're just like vibrating yeah that's probably where he was at at the, at the clock time. you know another thing too man is i think that this highlights um, exactly where we're at in the professionalism level of our sport right now. Yeah. We got a ways to go. We're still in the, you know, remember when the UFC was uh, like banned from pay-per-view? That's where <laughs> jiu-jitsu is right now as far as it's like rise. It's not in the UFC 7, UFC 10 no more. You know, we're a little better than that. We're a little better than uh, uh, <laughs> John Fry fighting in Puerto Rico against a dude in a cutoff t-shirt. But we're not much better than that. We're still in the age where we're kind of making up the rules as we go in some of these things. We don't even have like a unified rule set across, you know, these promotions. So I think it just goes to show that our sport has quite a bit of professionalism, quite a bit of growth left to go before we're really, truly professional. Yeah, I think you guys should uh, – I think it would be great for the sport to have that – not a, a snapping situation where the time runs out, but if you're in a submission – and you're close to time, like you got to fight until you either go to sleep or tap. Like in this situation, I, I like that idea. Like we're in a submission based uh, event. We want to see the submissions. We want to see the highlight. We want to see these guys get finished. So yes, we have a time limit in case it gets super boring. But if you're in a, if you're locked in on a submission and you have the potential to go, time limit gone. 
you either get out or you go to sleep. And then that way it would make it more interesting to where like this, again, this uh, situation, this controversy wouldn't have happened. Because in all honesty, like Scott said, the most interesting spot happened in the last minute uh, of this whole entire match. And we are sitting here talking about it to this day to see who wins and who doesn't. Keep the time going. if you're, or There's no time if you're in a submission. Time stops. Yeah, I like that idea, man. I like the idea that – because like you guys, like you and Scaff both said, it was so boring for the whole match until the end. And then once something cool happened, then we stopped the match. Come on, dude. Like that's the only part we wanted to see. We didn't want to see them dance around for 30 minutes and act like they're passing the guard and trying to win a judge's decision. We finally get some action, and then y'all are going to stop it when a guy passes out. It make, it just made no sense. It's like one of the worst and most egregious calls in jiu-jitsu that I can ever remember. It was Honestly, it was just lame. This what is exactly why there's jiu-jitsu overtime, the jiu-jitsu overtime shows. It's exactly why Eddie did those, just to get straight to the end of the action where everybody would cut out the stalling go straight to the back take or the arm bar, go right for the kills and stuff. You know, I'm not saying that's the best way to compete, but definitely it makes it a lot more exciting if things are going once someone has their arm under their chin. You don't you don't stop it because the time is running out, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would be cool if you had three black belts on either side or four black belts all around, and, like, they can award minutes. Like, if you see something exciting, just put an extra minute on the, the time. Say you have five minutes, and if it starts to go boring, they can be like, uh, but then if you're in the match like this one, you can give them, hey, you get a free minute. Like, you know, Brandon pulls up a minute card. Oh, they added it. They said at the time, you know, and the refs calls it out. Extra minute added, you know, just to know that you guys are actually going at it. That way we can see what we really want to see when we see these high-level grapplers go. Because, honestly, when you get two good guys going against each other, it, it sucks to watch it because they're so good and they don't want to really, like, give one person the benefit. So they're kind of just like stalling out and they go after it. Same thing that happens in wrestling. Same thing that happens in uh, some style of fighting as well. Yeah, I mean, those guys were doing the equivalent of dancing around the edge of the mat uh, and trying to stop the guy from getting a takedown point. I, I just – some guys are just not fun to watch, man, as good as they are. And I know everybody's kind of irritated at Hulk over the way he acted at the end, but, man – is Denise, has he ever been in a match that was exciting? Has anybody ever seen one? Like when, when Gordon dominated him. That was exciting, yeah, because Gordon was exciting. But what, like, I think about that Denise versus Craig Jones matchup. Like, come on, dude. Like, you can, if you can make Craig Jones boring, you're doing something wrong. Something's off. Yeah, you're not trying to, you're not trying to win. You're just trying not to lose. And that, those are like the worst people I, I hate training with i hate being in the gym with because it doesn't make anybody uh, anybody better and you're not trying to evolve you're just trying to get by and look cool i, I don't know man like go after it hey let, let me say something uh if you're watching if you're one of the people watching here in the chat if you hear something that somebody likes or you hear somebody say something that you like put a coin in the chat like a put a plus one in the chat if you don't like it Put a minus one in the chat, or put that little wind emoji for the poot, and we'll try to we'll try to take your opinion into account as well. So let's roll on to that next part. So what's the points? What's uh, the points? I think everybody's about at two. Everybody two each right now. Yeah. All right. So Julian needs to get pooted on for all them birds. 
that's not me. I don't have privets. <laughs> real actual birds. I'm out here in the wilderness. <laughs> All right. We're going to move on and talk a little bit about the Danaher Death Squad wrestling. They've been wrestling a little more in their recent matches. Uh, what do you guys think? Are they turning into real wrestlers? Are they just playing? Are they what, What's going on? Run to scout first. You know, we've been seeing a, a trend here, and I think John Donahue alluded to this. If you listen to him on Joe Rogan, he said there's three big things that jiu-jitsu is missing. And the one that he looks like their team's working on right now is getting good at wrestling. But not wrestling in a wrestling sense, but wrestling in a jiu-jitsu sense. Combining wrestling, getting into submissions, right? Finding ways to use wrestling to get into submission attempts. And it looks like their whole team, their priority for, I imagine, until ADCC, which is next September. They just released the, the ADCC date. It's going to be September 26th and 27th that weekend in 2022. So these guys got over a year to get good at wrestling. As we know, wrestling wins ADCC. Now, here's what I'll say. All right. Doesn't look too good right now. <laughs> We just saw Oliver Taza and Ethan Cronston lose uh, both their matches at Fight to Win. And the matches weren't exciting. This is what's going to kill me. You're going to take some of the most exciting guys and they're going to be really boring to watch until ADCC. I would hate to see them get into a wrestling heavy style, right? It's like the wrestler that goes into MMA and then learns the one punch. He's got one punch knockout power and he forgets wrestling. I don't want to see these guys forget what got them to the top and what made them one of the people's favorite teams. They are submission grapplers, and I want the submission to always be the priority for them. Julian, what you got? All right, look, I'm going to say this right now. Uh, the one thing jujitsu is lacking in the fan favorites and to bring all these different just outside combat sports in is that wrestling. And you, you go in there, you have these like these takedowns where people are dropping straight down for leg locks. You don't get that actual combative like that, that man-on-man, -man, like grueling, like takedown, that throw by, that throw, that whatever. And I just see Don Hurd just evolving his team to become better. Now, you sit there and tell me that they didn't look good this past weekend, but who does when they first try to do something new? I remember Brandon McCaffrey told me that his – style of jiu-jitsu when he first started it was terrible he got his ass kicked all the time it was horrible eddie bravo even commented on him and told him that i don't know what you're doing but then fast forward he looked at him and was like wow this this is an effective style this is how it works you have to get beat in order to grow and these guys are trying to change it out because if you go out with any of these jiu-jitsu guys and you play jiu-jitsu guess what you're probably gonna have a jiu-jitsu match and you don't have anything outside of the ordinary to, to beat them. They see it all. But if you go out there and you wrestle them at first and then you play jujitsu, you'll probably tire them out and be able to get that competitor edge. So I think it's great that they're trying to go out there. And then also they're going to see wrestlers. They're going to want to come in. But I don't believe it's a traditional wrestling style. I believe it's a modified jujitsu wrestling style that will benefit both guys or both team or the team. Steven? Oh, definitely. Uh, you got you can go back at least as far as 2018 or so and see that uh, Donaher was trying to dig into some of the wrestling styles and pick out the kinds that he liked <clears throat> for his guys. Uh, he spoke a lot of watching some of the Eastern European teams to watch their styles. It's more flowy, 
a little bit more like uh, a jujitsu style, I guess, is what we would say of, of wrestling. Not so much like smash and bash always. They have a lot of drill work and different things like that. Uh, and then also like a lot of the guys are getting into MMA, like Gary Tona, and he's doing he's doing lots of MMA. Gordon Ryan was talking about doing MMA. So they've been talking about doing lots of uh, wall wrestling and different things like that. So so they're taking a lots of different styles of wrestling and putting them together. And and as you know, though, if if you just do like regular high school or collegiate or even like Olympic styled wrestling, it's different than than what they call scrimmage wrestling for like ADCC style or um, jujitsu style or an MMA style where it's not it's not really you got to get them. You know, nobody's going belly down and giving up their their back to you super easy and stuff like that. Uh, People are, they are prioritizing trying to get to the submission. So I'm not really looking at these matches that they're having right now so bad as duds, you know, because uh, as a black belt scaff, you know, that's the way, you know, that's how you got to get better. You got to go out there and, and try to like run your game on people that are that are at certain levels and see where it's at. So we, we got plenty of time, I think, before ADCC. And uh, these guys are going to really these are the elite level people. They, they're they're going to really like show how to mix this stuff together. And uh, they're really, they're really gonna have to keep up with uh, guys like Ty and Kay Rotola, though. So you can't just sit down and expect to control every match like that off your back. You got to be able to bring the action, like Julian was saying. You can, if you can handle the takedowns and where the matches are going, uh, it's just another dimension, and uh, everybody's got to have that now. I gotta say, I'm, I'm personally enjoying seeing guys try to bring wrestling into jujitsu on a higher level. You know, a lot of people were really critical of Craig in his match against Rotolo because he didn't come out and play the same game plan. But I thought that Craig looked phenomenal, and I thought the fact that he came out and wrestled and stayed on his feet and controlled top position and, and refused to play his normal game, I thought that actually showed a lot of maturity. And it was, a, you know, that was kind of a risky match to do that in, to come out and try to run some new game on a guy like Rotolo on a stage like who's number one, I think it shows a tremendous amount of maturity on his part. And now you got Krellinston and Taza and some of these other guys. Like Scaff said, they're submission wrestlers, so wrestling is not really their forte. But to see them going out and trying to add it in, these are the matches that we want to see them adding it in. We don't want to wait until I – don't, I don't think it's a good idea for them to wait until ADCC like two months before to start working on takedowns. Like you got to take that stuff out and run it into the lab collect the data, collect the failures, bring it back into the gym. This worked. This didn't work. I didn't feel comfortable here. I surprisingly did feel comfortable here. So I think it's a good thing. And honestly, I think it's a good thing for the overall evolution of the sport. And another thing, another thing is going to make these guys more viable as fighters should they choose to make that transition. Because straight jujitsu, like just pure jujitsu with no good takedowns, I, I hate to say this, but it's red hot garbage in MMA. Like you can't you can't be a straight jujitsu guy in MMA anymore. It just don't work like that. You can do it in straight jujitsu because you could just come out, slap, bump, have a seat, slap, bump, lay down, and let him mount me. Who cares? But it don't work like that in a fight. And so I like that these guys are trying to add new things in, and I think that's going to make them more viable as overall combat athletes as the thing as things progress. I can tell you right now through the past year, uh, I've been training over here at 40 MMA Fitness in uh, at least some under James Krause. And if we go straight toe-to-toe, -to -toe, James and I, on straight wrestling, no submissions, I could take him down left and right. It's easy, just straight wrestling rules. But he has a modified wrestling style for jujitsu itself that makes him 
phenomenal. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I've seen D1 athletes, all Americans come in there to wrestle him, and he does his JK wrestling style. And that modification, these guys can't take him down. They're getting thrown. They're getting off balance. And it's because um, he evolved himself to understand how to grapple. Because that's what we're all doing here is we're grappling in just a different way, submissions. And if we stick to the high school level of grappling or that collegiate level of grappling, we'll never grow. Because I'll tell you what, on none of you guys, am I ever going to shoot a head outside double A? I'm going to get souped up with a guillotine all day. But I may go in for a head inside uh, double A and go to the body to a body lock and then try to take you down and be able to maneuver you and control your hips where you have the most power on the ground. That's something that I'll go with. And you see that in MMA, most of the guys aren't attacking single legs or doubles. They're attacking the hips. And then when they get them on the ground, they're staying away from their legs so they don't get, you know, elevator sweep. They don't get uh, butterfly sweep. They don't get any of that. They're just staying heavy on the right spot. And that that's how you're going to evolutionize this game. I mean, everybody now knows how to do jujitsu. And high-level wrestlers are real good at, at smashing regular jujitsu practitioners. But if you have a high-level wrestler that has high-level jiu-jitsu IQ, you're going to be a deadly fucking person. We've been working a lot this month specifically in our gym here on wrestling into the legs. Like So going from wrestling and maybe the shot, maybe I got in on the shot and, it, and or maybe I just failed the shot. But going from that into the legs, I think having wrestling in your bag, it just makes you multidimensional. Right. It, and, and honestly, dude, it just makes you a tougher dude. Like having that wrestling mentality of I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to put you on your back. It makes you a different kind of fighter and it offers you a different level of intimidation to your opponent. And by opening up with wrestling, it forces the opponent to look at different. It gives him different looks, different things to defend. I have multiple things I have to think about now. Just like it's, you know, it's the same thing as. Passing makes my leg locking stronger, and leg locking makes my passing stronger. Wrestling makes my leg locking stronger, and leg locking makes my wrestling stronger. So when I use them together, it's like two plus two equaling five instead of four. So I, I'm really a fan. What I don't want to see, though, and this is to Scaff's point and credit, what I don't want to see is a boring stand on the feet match. I want to see this, you know, just like we're talking about with Denise and Hulk. I want to see the subs. I want to see people going for the kills. I want to see action. And a lot of times, a couple of poor wrestlers, you see this in MMA all the time, um, uh, good wrestlers, they nullify each other and it turns into an ugly striking match. ADCC yeah. looks like that sometimes. And this is, again, to Scaff's point. ADCC looks like jujitsu guys who aren't allowed to pull guard having a terrible, wrestling, terrible, ugly, inefficient wrestling match. And I think Donner is trying to solve that problem for his team right away. Yeah, definitely. I think what you're seeing, though, for sure, kind of to your point, is that it's jujitsu wrestling, which is like wrestling that's going for submissions instead of like a, a wrestling style that's anti-jujitsu, kind of like we used to see for MMA a lot of times where you want to just get back up from your butt as soon as you can. If you get taken down, you're not really trying to worry about doing too much actual jujitsu. You're using it mostly for like a self-defense kind of situational stuff. Uh, I think these guys are going to really start trying to blend it more into uh, aggressive style of wrestling into the finish instead of using it to just nullify people's guards or nullify people's uh, attempts. And hopefully, hopefully we won't see, uh, like you said, the recreation of a bunch of wrestle boxers just in there throwing punches at each other. 
Well, if you think about ADCC, right, there's a guy that used to be very exciting to watch that the last two ADCCs, his matches have been pretty much unwatchable. JT Torres. Mm. JT Torres used to be super exciting. He used to go out there, but he found a strategy that worked, and it's got him gold, two ADCCs, which is incredible, but it's unrememberable. What he did, like, Nobody's going to remember his matches. Nobody's a JT Torres fan. People used to be JT Torres fans. I used to really like watching JT Torres. But past four years, it's zero submission, zero submission attempts. He's just, he beat, you know, last ADCC, he beats Gary Tonin on a takedown. You know, he just waits until that last second, gets the takedown and wins. And Craig Jones, for instance, yes, he did enough to beat Ty Rotolo, but Ty's the one that, in my opinion, he looked better, and I think he was uh, he earned more fans than Craig did. He was the one throwing up submissions. He was the one pushing the pace. Yes, Craig won the wrestling exchanges, but he only had one submission attempt. That is not Craig Jones. That's mm-hmm. not what I want to see from Craig Jones. What makes Craig Jones excited is he submits everybody. See, uh, Ethan, Taza, those guys, I want to see them submit people. I don't want to see them win a wrestling exchange. Like If I want to watch high-level wrestling, I'm going to go watch Jordan Burroughs. I'm going to go watch Kyle Dake. That's the match I want to watch. I don't want to watch Ethan Krillinson versus a random Brazilian black belt. See, I, I see it differently because, look, even though you look at it like this, what's the most important thing in jiu-jitsu? Like, how are you known in jiu-jitsu? Killing. Killing. If you win, if you win no one's going to look at the comment box and be like, oh, man, this guy has two golds and he just won by one takedown. Guess what? He had a wrestling takedown that he switched it up on a jiu-jitsu guy and he still won. He has a gold medal. thing is you get paid by that win. No one checks the comment box. You can build anything off of it. Yes, it's not traditional style you know, jiu-jitsu, but jiu-jitsu is evolutionizing to make it more uh, just a different for people to want to watch it. If you sat there and had the same old stuff where – Gordon Ryan's going to be play leg locks all the time. He's going to murder everybody except for some of the high-end guys, and he's still going to beat them. It's just going to take a little bit longer. They're making it more exciting, I think, by trying new things and trying to evolution the game to make themselves, you know, be be better. You know, how else do you grow in jiu-jitsu when you're subbing the entire world out? You try new things, and that's exactly what we need to do in MMA, in jiu-jitsu, in jiu-jitsu combat, everything, you have to be able to grapple stronger to make it more exciting. The scrambles are what we love the most. The submissions are cool, but the scrambles where it's at, where you see two people scrambling for five minutes, that is intense to me. I, all due respect to the Cuban Missile Crisis, but I'm going to disagree with you on this. In jiu-jitsu, it's still underground. And, and people are not being paid on wins and losses necessarily in jiu-jitsu. People are being paid on reputation and what what the community thinks about them. You know what I'm saying? Like, Craig, he's he hasn't been number one yet. Craig's not number one. But why is Craig the people's champ? Because he goes out and he puts on memorable matches and he goes out and puts on finishes. So, you know, in MMA, I, I totally agree with you. The W at the end of the day is really what it's all about. But also in MMA, look, man, you don't have to win every fight. If you come out there and you can slang and bang and you can make the crowd pop, man. That's true. That's very true. Nate Diaz is a great – yeah, Nate's a great point. Listen, 
I just don't think Nate Diaz is even in the top fifteen in his weight in his weight class. Oh, not is at all. But he's in the top. He's in the top two or three guys that I want to watch fight. The rules dictate the fight, man. Because he knows how to come out there and he knows how to make the crowd pop. And I think jujitsu is still so underground. Everybody who watches jujitsu knows jujitsu. You know what I mean? And so they want to they want to see people that go after it, go after it. We don't we don't want to see. We don't want to see that. How do you insinuate that? How do you get people to want to do that style? Because you do have to remember, like, when you're at ADCC, your number one goal is to win, right? Now, if we're at a a regular small tournament, like, your number one goal, you could try the new submission stuff. But in all honesty, it's like everyone's getting so good that it's now very difficult to try to compete against each other. How do you change that? What do you – if you don't get a submission in – in under a minute, or you don't get an attempt in under a minute, you get a call, you get a red card, and in that red card, you have to attack for 20 seconds if you don't get a takedown. Same thing as wrestling to make sure the action goes. That's how it does that in freestyle. If you have the same thing there, or do you start them if you don't get a takedown in two minutes? All right, you're starting in, you're the less active person, you're starting in uh, Spider Guard, and you have to get the submission now, or you have to make a submission, kind of like your sudden deaths in uh, your EBIs and things like that. Like, how do you make it more interesting when it comes to that? Because if I'm facing, if I'm facing you in a jiu-jitsu, straight jujitsu match, I'm going to stall the piss out of it because I don't have the technique to beat you. I just know I can get out of a dart if Scaff puts me in it, and that's about all I can. <laughs> I wanted to, I want to bring up a reference though that I think maybe uh, kind of would bring a little bit of it to point too, though. Uh, thinking about adding wrestling style to different styles of people, one of the most dangerous guys that we were talking about from like uh, the PGF is uh, is Elijah Carlton, and in his match at the PGF finale with Sam, uh, he had a hard time being able to engage with Sam from the bottom uh, without having to get up and wrestle. Uh, and exposing himself in ways that he didn't want to uh, because maybe he didn't have the wrestling skills that would be able to to match in those moments. So if he adds, you know, just enough skills to be savvy on his feet, he can make people dive into his guard or jump into his lap, so to say, and make and make easy mistakes. Uh, you know, so these guys, I, I, I really see it as, as a huge, huge bonus for, uh, for jiu-jitsu as a whole because now we're going to start taking all these, like, High school and college wrestlers, they're going to start coming over to us right away looking for, for the next thing to do. And uh, you, you're going to see a huge evolution in the sport in the next few years, much like we did the UFC between UFC 1 and like 10 to 15. I agree. You're in like that, that toss-up area where things aren't really like how you want it or where you want it to be at, but it's slowly going to grow and get better. And you're going to have more killers come from at a young age and start going in there to where – you're going to get these exciting style matches, you know, but uh, in all honesty, man, it's, it's tough, man. Cause I love watching jujitsu and just straight the art of it. But when you go to these high end tournaments, it's that wrestling is what is going to help push you up to get that extra takedown or get that extra position on somebody. Well, and it's, listen, man, it's not, most of these tournaments now are not straight jujitsu tournaments. They're grappling tournaments mm. and wrestling is part of grappling. And if you can't wrestle, then you got a giant hole. In MMA, in MMA, if you can't wrestle, you got a giant hole. If you can't strike, you got a giant hole. If you yeah. can't do jujitsu, you got a giant hole. If you can't fight against the cage, giant hole. And in submission grappling, wrestling is part of grappling, and it ha- it's a it's a skill set you have to have if you want to be considered at this point. If you even want to be considered at 
uh, good, much less one of the greats. You have to be able to wrestle at a high level. Well, Period. I think you guys. I think you guys need to think about this though. The almighty dollar. Okay. How many DVDs are these guys selling that have wrestling style stand up? Right. Next Let's say JT Torres. How many DVDs is it? Nobody's talking and buying JT Torres DVDs. He's not even in the top twenty. I guarantee on BJJ Fanatics. When you submit people, when you go out there and submit people, whether it's from your guard, whether it is from wrestling takedowns, it's all about the submission and people are buying that. Hey, who do we want to bring in for seminars? You want to bring in the sub only guys that are subbing everyone. You don't want to bring in these old heads that don't sub anybody. Nobody's bringing those dudes in. Nobody's, nobody's bringing in Orlando Sanchez. Sanchez. So, yeah, yeah nobody, you're right. You're right. That's why PGF is such a great tournament. It's because you force them to get submissions. And if you don't get shit after the time limit's done, it's over. But like, that's a very, you're, you're watching, we're talking about like a, a, an action pack style tournament versus a, a tournament that now it's, it's how can you yeah, just get a match? Huh? I'd like those ADCs, ADCCs could be like 30 minute matches or whatever. If they keep hitting those overtimes and stuff. So you like, you got to you got to be able to do it all man if it's not as you know it's not just like a 6 minute match that's what we're saying so i, I definitely think you you just got to have it and you can't add in a style of wrestling that's going to start submitting people without first developing that style and so once they develop that style it's going to be on sale for bjj fanatics and you're going to buy a copy scaff i know you will yeah. <laughs> all right let's uh let's move on to the next thing in the agenda We've got a couple big fights coming up. I believe they're July 10th. Um, Connor's making his return. He's going against Dustin Poirier for the third time, trying to get his dub. Also, a big one that's returning is Ryan Hall, who hasn't, who's had trouble getting people to accept a fight, but he's making his return. Who are you guys more excited to see? Uh, I know we're all grapplers here, but who, what are y'all thinking, Connor or Ryan? Who are y'all more excited to see? Oh, I'm going to get pooted on for this. I already know I'm about to get pooted on. I'm more excited to see Ryan Hall. He's he's my favorite. I know I'm such a dork. I'm such a jujitsu dork. But I love Ryan Hall. Nobody makes, you know, uh, Connor makes the crowd pop. But Ryan Hall makes Brandon pop, baby. I love Ryan Hall. I knew I was going to get pooted on. So unfair. You know, somebody in the comments pooted on Scaff, and I didn't hear a poot earlier. Pooting right now. Dang, that's for Scaff. I, I can't get pooted on and let my boy not get going under the bus. <laughs> Mandy pooting on me too. <laughs> I know, I know that that's not a popular opinion. And I don't even know that I agree with myself on this. But we just don't ever get to see Ryan go do his thing. In my opinion, and I feel pretty firmly about this, Ryan Hall is the epitome of what jujitsu, like he is the highest level jujitsu player in the world because he's taking his jujitsu and he's putting it to the test on the highest stage. And literally no one wants to fight him. They don't even want to say yes to the match, much less get in there. And Ryan, Ryan Hall could go into the octagon and sit down, slap, bump, sit down on his butt, and somebody would run from him for 15 minutes. They're terrified of his jujitsu. And to me, that is incredibly intriguing. And nobody else in MMA can say that. Gary like, Tonin. Gary Tone is not in the UFC. Where's he at? Mm. Mm. Come on. MMA, we're talking about the highest level. We're talking about the UFC. We, maybe we're talking about one. Maybe we're talking about Bellator. You can make arguments for some of those, but the UFC is the only game in town. 
as far as I'm concerned. And Ryan Hall, he frightens people with his jujitsu. And nobody else looks like that. Nobody looks like Connor. Connor's unique. Connor runs a lot of trash. But the exciting part about Connor, Connor's more exciting before the fight and after the fight than he is during the fight. He's exciting during the fight. But Ryan is going to go out there and he's going to present a style that you will see from no one else. Nobody else is going to do what Ryan does. And he's going to scare people with his jujitsu. To me, that's incredibly exciting. Puda win. So, you know, uh, you know, like in a dunk contest, when you see a guy getting ready to do a crazy dunk and he misses, even if he hits it the next time, especially if he misses it a couple of times and then hits it, it just takes something away from it. That's true. You got to do it on the first attempt. My one beef with Ryan Hall is I can only see so many Eminari attempts <laughs> fail. When you fail with 10 Eminari attempts, I'm kind of like, mm, like, I love his strategy. I love his jujitsu, but I'm more excited to see even a couple of other guys in jujitsu, like go out there and do jujitsu. I actually like would rather watch like Ortega do jujitsu in the octagon. Probably trying to Ryan Hall. Because Ryan Hall, again, he's just going to do those MNRE roles. And I think when it hits, like when you get the highlight of BJ Penn, it's absolutely incredible. But I want to see that land first time. Conor McGregor is a guaranteed, guaranteed show shopper. His fights, all of them, are memorable. In this third fight, I love trilogy fights. Love them. And I think this one's going to be a special one. I am so excited for this trilogy fight coming up. I think Conor... He's going to make the adjustments, and I'm excited to see what he brings. I think Connor, especially with like knowing Connor's going to have to make a style change, that makes me even more excited. What is he going to do July 10th? Julian, what do you got? All right. Oh, you guys got me up on here. Here we go. First and foremost, Ryan Hall is one of the most difficult puzzles to ever come into the UFC because you don't know how the hell he strikes. He has no – like rhyme or reason, no rhythm, nothing like that with his strikes, and he uses it to try to take you down. So it's very difficult to actually like to study and train for him. All we know is that if you get in 50-50 with him, you better be the uh, – I don't even know what – your boy, Alan Belcher versus uh, Paul Hardis. <laughs> yeah. You'll come out to be known as that. You can make a whole entire you know defense out of getting out of Ryan Hall's 50-50. Other than that, there's a reason why Ryan Hall's down at the bottom of the card because it's not really that entertaining. He's not that entertaining. He's just wild. He's different. He's weird. Granted, if we're doing talking about jujitsu, yes, he is probably one of the best 50-50 guys out there, um, in my opinion. He created an entire entire name based off of his style, off of winning the Ultimate Fighter, using the UFC to platform him. And no one wants to fight him because they can't really solve the puzzle. Because they can't beat him. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Very tough. But he also hasn't really fought anybody that's like a deadly threat. That nobody will say yes. True. But the thing is, you got Conor McGregor, and Conor McGregor sells the fight. It's exciting. You know you're going to go in there. And Scaff, you're the one that's telling me you don't like when people just kind of wrestle and go in the last minute. Well, this is that, ty- that style. You know that the moment it starts – that Connor and Dustin are going to go for the kill from start to finish. There's barely going to be – there might be a little bit of wrestling, but in all honesty, I see it going the same way. I think Dustin Poirier is going to starch Connor. He's going to take him out. Mm. Uh, reason being, and this is my fact, if you listen here, Connor McGregor in the past five years has fought Diaz, I think, uh, Mayweather, 
uh, a beat up uh, Eddie Alvarez and uh, I don't even know who else, Con or Donald Cerrone. And he didn't really show anything like new addition to that. And then Dustin Poirier. And then in the past five years, Dustin Poirier has fought everyone in the top 10 twice and has evolutionized himself. He's been battle tested. So if this goes into later rounds, who's tested more when it comes to heart? Dustin Poirier, he's he's there. It's at a different weight class. It's at a different, or it's at a higher weight class than the first time they ever met. And I don't really see Connor going out and bringing a bunch of high level strikers to come into his camp over there in Ireland to train for Dustin Poirier. They're 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 not doing it. They're doing the same old plan that they had previous. Maybe a little bit of cap kick, maybe here and there, but I don't see that happening there. I'm way more excited for Connor's fight just to see Dustin win and then go on to file. By, uh, Charles Oliveira. Okay, so this is a couple of different questions. I think, uh, are, are you asking, am I more excited to see Ryan Hall or Conor McGregor, or am I more excited for Ryan Hall's fight or the fight with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier? Because I'm definitely more excited for the fight with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, but I probably would be more excited to see Ryan Hall match like just independently it's not really connor for me that's doing it for that match it's dustin poirier as much or more uh dustin's story has been one to really follow uh for a long time man he, he, he's really from nowhere out in louisiana has fought his way to the top you know he he, he took that big l to connor years and years ago and fought his way all the way back to the top and beat him and i agree with julian i think he's gonna starch him again the myth of the left hand and all that stuff it's over all that stuff's done we've already seen all that stuff before he's gonna get out there and He's going to talk and they're going to do the thing and he's going to lose and that's it. But the fight is going to be really exciting because Dustin's going to bring the fight to him. And, and I think that's what's going to happen. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with Ryan Hall's style. He does have a tough opponent this time. Uh, it looks like he's got a mix of uh, he's got about five or six submissions. It looks like he was 10 and oh, I think. So about six of his wins were by submission. So, so they're giving him a guy that's got a couple of like knockouts or TKOs and some submission wins who, who like Brendan said, he stepped up to the plate. So he's somebody that's at least willing to go into the fire. So that at least makes it exciting to see who can try to solve that puzzle. The the Conor McGregor puzzle has been solved. He's he's not going to have off from here. No, he's a hype. He's a name. Like you, we're talking about Diaz, right? Diaz isn't a top 15 fighter, but you want to see him fight over any of the top 15 guys. Conor McGregor is not a top 15 fighter anymore. You just want to see him fight because of his words, his antics. And even that he's losing it because – He's changed his whole gimmick and whole style, and it's just like it's one moment he's super disrespectful, the next moment he's super – he's up and down. I'm just ready to see him. I know that if he goes out there, he's going to go out there to, to strike. He's going to go out there and put it all on the line. And maybe he needs to go get one of those, you know, uh, jiu-jitsu wrestling takedown defenses uh, DVDs that Skaz was talking about. Yeah, because we already know that – Connor that Dustin Poirier is going to come out there and do exactly what he should do. Go in for a shot to make Connor think about that and throw him off his entire game. Every time he's been taken down in any of his fights, throws him off in his game. Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes took him down, cut him. He stood right back up and knocked him out. True, but Chad was also taking, took that fight on like six days notice with no uh, he was in the woods like yeah with like no like no way i mean that was the only thing but if we look and go out to any of the other guys that took him down if you look at habib habib took him down and connor really couldn't do anything the second round starts Who habib took down that could show me somebody that Khabib took down that could do anything that's, that's not that's right. look at look at it when he fought nate nate got him down and and then i mean connor actually swept nate but that's what he's right there 
Uh, Connor, oh, that's here. Ramoff. It's right here. <laughs> but yeah, either way, it's. Uh, I mean, in all honesty, I, I see more of a future with Ryan Hall. I think he's going to build off of it. If he beats, you know, I hear uh, Tapuria. That kid's tough, man. He, he has a solid. He has solid hands. He has good movement. He's not a person that's going to stand there. Um, but he is a puzzle that you can easily solve. Other than Ryan, it's just it's very tough to fight Ryan. He's going to sub him inside of three rounds. Ryan Hall's going to win that match for sure. He's going to submit him. Yeah, I mean, what are you saying? Are we doing inside or outside heel hook? I, I mean, he might take his back. Ryan Hall's back game. Everybody thinks about Ryan as a uh, as a heel hook guy, as a leg lock guy, but Ryan's jujitsu overall is the best in the UFC. Put that down. Put that down. Remember, I said that. And when he comes out here and he smokes, that's Damian Maya. When yep, when he comes out and smokes this kid for trying to engage with him. Oh. Remember what old Uncle B Mac said. We'll say I'm with it. I'm with it. I'll talk with you on that. I, I don't. It's a tough fight for sure. But the thing is, you have to get him down to the ground. That's the best part. And now, if he didn't take any of these instructional DVDs for takedowns, then he's not going to be able to take this kid down. But if he does these uh, these rolls to try to get in, it's going to be very difficult. Y'all sleeping on my boo boo. Ryan's my best. I'm, I'm making it a competitive fight. You have to look at it as competitive. He's not just going to walk through. Because also, too, you know what the craziest thing about you know being a black belt in the UFC? Every punch that hits you drops your belt level real fast. Uh, well, that's a good point. Show me somebody that's hit Ryan Hall so far. Ryan's got a phenomenal strategy. You get into that boxing range, it's Eminari roll time. He's going to jump on your legs. And so – it's tough. He's got that karate style where he's throwing those really – I mean, I love his style. I think, like you said, he is a very, very difficult puzzle to solve. But if he can't get – if the if his opponent did his homework and just looked at and had somebody come in, go after Imanari roll, after Imanari roll, after Imanari roll, he should have been in – he should have seen 10,000 Imanari rolls by the time he uh, Saturday night comes. Oh, yeah. If he did that – then it's going to be a very, very competitive fight. But for some reason, there's a lot of really, really dumb coaches out there that just <laughs> still sleep on some of the most fundamental movements in no-gi jiu-jitsu. And we're going to find out, is his opponent's coaches like a lot of the old-school generation? Of, no, we're just going to do what we do, because if he has that mentality, he's getting out of there in under two rounds for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a tough one. The kid has stones for hands. Um, so if his striking can keep up and he can crack Ryan. But, I mean, I've never really seen Ryan get phased with any punches. So I've never seen him get hit. You know, I, I've seen him on the ultimate fighter. He's been hit. He's been hit flushed. Even uh, his last fight before, uh, not BJ Penn, but the one prior to that, he got cracked pretty good. But it wasn't like anybody can get you can't Darren Elkins? a grounded punch to throw where you can get the actual power and torque in it. Because he's just so, like, I don't know, man. I swear, like, he's just, like, very odd, awkward in his movements that it has no rhyme or rhythm to it. You know what I'm hearing? The more we talk about it, the more y'all are saying Ryan's the man. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. The more y'all, the more opportunity y'all have to sit and think about it, the more y'all realize I'm right. Just like yeah, always. That he's, that he's probably the, the better fighter or whatever. We're just saying that his fight's not the most exciting one. Hey, man, shut up. <laughs> Who's that man? Somebody. Hey, everybody can <laughs> on ESPN Plus. I'm pretty sure it's free, right? 
All right, moving on down the agenda. We had the PGF qualifying tournament, the first one for season three, go down this past weekend. Um, what were your thoughts on some of the matches? How the matches go? Who won it? How'd it go as a stream? Talk to me. Scaff. Man, I absolutely loved it. Anytime you get that many guys willing to come out, put it on the line in a sub-only type format, it's a fun day. It's a fun day at the office. 90% of the matches were very exciting. You're always going to have a hand, or I shouldn't even say handful, just a couple of matches that were eh, a little on the slower end, not a lot happening, but people came out and made a name for themselves. There was a couple of guys that kind of shocked me on how they did. I think the big guy that really improved his stock and is somebody that people need to look out for in season three is David Evers. Mm-hmm. Comes in, purple belt, subs the elbow genie. Nobody saw that coming. Hits a beautiful, beautiful elevation into the legs. Taps the elbow genie in under a minute and a half. I mean, it was right around a minute. And came very, very close to winning that automatic spot. We have, though, an awesome black belt in Gio Martinez. Uh, I was going to say Gio Martinez. And Giovanni Ortiz, who... Man, he looked, he was the best guy Saturday. And so I just love the PGF in that it gives opportunities for black belts, right? To go out there, do their thing. Giovanni Ortiz got some highlights, but there were a couple of purple belts and even blue belts that looked incredible. Noah Randolph's another one that just keeps on coming. That kid's going to be a stud one day, but David Everage is the name that everybody, everybody was very surprised with, except probably his coaches and made a name for himself yeah and shout out to eric al and chuck mitchell running that 10th planet huntsville school over there they've done wonders with david from since he first started with them man honestly he looked to me he reminded me of um calistine just little bulldog little short cannonball and when he grabs a hold of those legs his grips were just next level like I was watching him play. I was like, man, I don't, I can't do that. I can't do to the legs of my opponent what he did to the legs of his opponent. So just the way he gripped was so high level. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, to me, the, I know I'm super biased, man, of course, but the PGF is just the most exciting format. It's six minutes. You got to get out there and get it done. And the sub is the only thing that matters. There's no way to hide on the other side. And even when we did, um, decisions to decide the qualifier you know that the decision is going to be based on who actually came out and made the crowd pop not on who stood around and got the advantage or who played the edge of the mat and made sure that the takedown written didn't really stick so in my opinion another thing too a 34 man bracket where else do you see that adcc trials where else Anybody else ever see one? A 34-man bracket and everybody's going for subs? Listen, man, I th- I really I really believe this. I think the PGF is, is here to stay, and I think it's going to be something that starts to gain mainstream attention more and more and more every season. I think people are going to be clamoring to get into the PGF. So if you're a fan of jiu-jitsu and you're out there watching, listen, man. You need to be an early adopter on the PGF. It's like buying Bitcoin in 2012. <laughs> Steven? Straight up. Uh, dude, obviously, like you both said, uh, Giovanni Ortiz showed out. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about him until 
the qualifier this time. Uh, so, so watching his matches gave me some, some really good interest of him going into the next season. Uh, you know, obviously we got to see who else comes from the other qualifiers, but he looked really, really strong. And then obviously Evers crept in there. I didn't have any clue who he was at all either until Saturday. Uh, and then, and now he's, he's in there for the season. Uh, so I'd like to see these guys coming in there. And now, uh, what I'm mostly interested in now are some of the guys who didn't win that are going forward that, that I know that, uh, who may be doing other ones of the qualifiers. I wonder what that that's going to be like, how many people are going to start hitting other qualifiers now if they were disappointed. Uh, and I agree kind of like we were talking about with some of the other stuff, the six minute, the six minute time limit. And then it makes it, it makes it so fast. And, but one of the things I was thinking is kind of like in, in these brackets, why, why weren't we doing maybe uh, if you didn't submit, there was no judge's decision, both of these guys lost. And then so that way it was like a true submission only like that and then make it to where only the guys who are actually getting the kills would win to go through to the qualifiers. But it's not my show. I still enjoyed it and still loved it. Uh, I don't think there was any like wrong headed decisions or anything like that. I just was thinking that in my mind when I was watching, I was like, oh, that would be really cool. It's just like, you know, same like we did in the season. It's either you you kill or it's zero. You know, you don't get anything for for doing better in the match than the other person did because that really doesn't doesn't really mean anything. Uh, super excited though to see guys uh, like Primo maybe coming in for another uh, one of the qualifiers. Maybe I think he's going to be a little bit uh, fired up after maybe a little bit of a disappointing performance and didn't didn't get as far as he hoped. Maybe uh, I know my guy Isaac's going to be looking to come back and he, he's going to be in Louisville and he's going to go in there and try to improve his stock uh, for for the PGF Overlords and try to get himself in there. Um, you know, and, and I'm really worried about the elbow genie. Uh, not worried, but like excited to see the prospect with him now with uh, maybe a little bit of uh, a taste for blood in his mouth after after being caught slipping in this match. Because I know how that feels to get caught, you know, a little bit off your guard and uh, someone someone, you know, just just catching you. And now maybe an opportunity to get your hands on him again is, is something that you're really looking forward to. Julian. You can give me a pooper because I didn't uh, I didn't see it this past week and I didn't even know it was going down. We can have a conversation about how the marketing needs to be pushed out where Julian Marquez can see that we have PGF grappling uh, qualifiers this weekend. You know, I thought it was November, but that's when the season starts. Um, so we all can uh, talk to the marketing kings on that. But I, I've said this earlier there, and I'm going to take off that. I think it's actually one of the better uh, jujitsu tournaments because you're making action happen. And you either go home with a submission win or you just go home. You know, if you don't have any of that, and that's what keeps the action going, and that's why um, I think it, it's it's fun to actually watch it. And as well as I, I know some of the guys, I've trained with them when I went down there to uh, Decatur, Alabama, and I've seen these guys compete in other locations. But, you know, it, it, it's really giving the art, respecting the art of jujitsu to where you can't sit there and stall out. You can't sit there and let time go by and just try to do something in the last minute. It's, it's either – you go after it from start to finish or you go home and you have to go to the next qualifier to try to get back into it so you can start the next season. What about uh, the newest Elkins brother? Probably the number one guy that I've heard feedback on was not Gio Ortiz. It was not the winner. It was not David Evers. The number one guy that we've been hearing feedback on for sure by a long shot has been Marcus Elkins. And that's another thing that makes the PGF so special, man is Marcus Elkins is a white belt, state champion wrestler, but he comes out and he goes after it. And when else are you going to see a guy who's a lower rank or the lowest rank, who's the lowest rank like that, get a chance to go in there and put on a show 
and put himself up on the line against seasoned jujitsu players. I, I really think having that open rank is one of the things that makes the PGF so special. And people get dunked on in the PGF. We want to see the dunks. Show me the dunks. When I'm on Instagram and TikTok, I'm not subscribed and following the NBA account. I'm following dunk hacks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to show me the dunks. Show me the and ones. I want hot sauce. I want the professor. You can keep these six foot 11 guys who can dunk without jumping. I don't care about that. I want the dunks. I'm with it with you on that too, man. And I, uh, I've rolled with Marcus and that dude's cornbread. So he's a black belt, you know, cornbread wrestler that's way stronger than you would think. I'm pretty sure he almost broke my arm off when he <laughs> it. He's, he, there, he's very, very, like when you see him, you're like, oh, it's when he grabs you, you're like, oh, shit, this guy has a different level of strength. This isn't weight strength. This is lifting bodies for your strength. And I think that's why the wrestling is a little bit different. And he can go attack these moves. Because golly, man, I didn't know he was in this tournament on this one. I thought he did last week or last seasons. So that was his brothers. So Matt, Matt's probably the one you're thinking about. Another one training and fighting MMA down there in SBG. That's his. Uh, no, I've, I've trained with his other brother. His, okay. his other brother, the one yeah. that like, got me in like a. Uh, I don't even know what the hell he got me in. But he almost snapped my arm on my back. <laughs> oh, yeah. that was probably Jake. Was it Jake? Yeah, yeah Jake. Jake's Jake. probably closer to your size. Uh, Marcus, yeah, you know, Marcus is not going to be that white belt that's getting dunked on if you bring him in there, though. He's coming uh, to eat. He's he's coming in there to eat somebody. He's not he's not trying to be the guy that's just standing there catching a charge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, he, he's been down there fighting for scraps at the end of the table for a long time, I bet. So so he's trying to get out of here and get some food of his own. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see him carrying on too. That that would be really cool, actually. All right, so moving on on the agenda. Combat jujitsu. Do y'all love it? Do y'all hate it? What's going on there? I'm with. Go ahead, Julian. Oh man, I love it. I think it's entertaining. Cause look, let's be honest, man. If I try to go straight jujitsu with any black belt, I may do good with some, and then there's others that I will just get demolished. I'm on the ground. But if you let me open hand slap the shit out of someone, I, I now have made this. Even belting, I made this there. Like, it does not matter. You know, we saw saw the other day uh, on your TikTok, and, and this was like a couple weeks ago. But uh, one of your teammates got slapped and literally like knocked out. Yeah, just it was bad. But it's like, like oh, this my shit. All the girls don't be like this. Amazing. But like, but for real, like it, it just it steps it up to be a little bit more exciting. So where you can appreciate the jujitsu game, it's not quite MMA, but it's still it just it gives that like less glory, but still like dominating factor in actual fighting. You know? Yeah, it's it's fighting on the ground. It may not it may not be the full fight, but it's not the full fight in the same way that boxing is not a full fight. Like people try to say jujitsu is not a fight or comp combat jujitsu. Why don't you just do MMA? Okay, boxer, why don't you just do MMA? You're going to take out the most important part of fighting, the clinch work and the groundwork? Come on, man. Come on, man. But how many times have you been stuck in like uh, a leg lock 
with someone and they're not doing anything, you're defending it, and you're just kind of like, time's going out. But you could tell me I could reach over and slap you and keep slapping you. And even though we're there, someone's got to let go. You're not going to continuously get slapped while we're in a leg lock position. You're going to let go and it's going to keep it going. You're not just going to stand and stall out if I can slap, open hand slap you. You're going to like you're going to attack. You're going to move because the moment you stop, you're like a dead fish. And those slaps, those slaps hurt, man. I don't know. You remember Boss Rudin with that open palm? You know, I don't yeah. even. And hit with the heel of the hand. You know, that that's a great point. There's a big difference, Julian. Like some people look at it and they're going, oh, people are getting slapped. These are – sometimes it is a slap, but these are strikes that these guys are throwing. They just happen to be open hand strikes. Like there's a difference in getting slapped, like what Gordon did to Andre Galval. He slapped him across the mouth, right? Bad. Nope. We all loved it. Fabulous to watch. But it's on, it's on the ground – a strike with an open hand is different than just slapping somebody with an open hand. And a lot of these guys cause real damage. I know J.M. Holling got his head split open in combat jiu-jitsu. Nathan Orchard got TKO'd in combat jiu-jitsu. He didn't get hurt necessarily, but he got put away by Wagner Rocha in combat jiu-jitsu. We saw at one of the ones in Mexico, what's uh, Michael Courier? Michael Courier, he, he got hurt. He got hurt. He got his face rearranged in combat jiu-jitsu with open hand strikes, cut, bleeding, swollen up, couldn't see out of his face for a couple of for a week, probably. So you can it's a fight. It's a fight just as much as boxing is a fight. And I love the uh, the angle of combat jujitsu. We're finding out what actually works when a guy can hit me. What actually works on the ground when a guy can hit me. That you know what? I'm not going to just come out here and pull guard and sit here for free. I might, but I know that there's consequences that could potentially come from it if I'm not all over my game. So for me, combat jujitsu is the most exciting form of jujitsu. I love it. I think um, I really have enjoyed the last couple of shows. I think it continues to get better and better and better. This last show with Roberto Jimenez is one of the most fun. Uh, Super exciting. Yeah, just it was one of the best um, performances I've seen recently, and I, I was on my seat the entire time. There were so many matchups during that 170-pound division that, you know, I, I just I thought was just phenomenal. And I really think CJJ is going to continue to grow. It will be bigger than any sub-only pure sub only event i think cjj is it's got the sauce you know it can attract non-jujitsu fans and it can attract jujitsu fans it was fascinating because i was watching this last show with my mom and my mom loved watching cjj i was shocked that's hilarious my mom wanted to watch because she's uh she's met nathan orchard a few times and so she knows him a little bit and so she wanted to watch nathan compete but she just kept watching even after nathan match uh, nathan's match was over she just kept watching i was like hey why are you watching this and she was like look there's enough combat that i understand and i can tell what's going on when two guys are in 50 50 she has no idea what's going on she doesn't understand jujitsu but she understands when that right hand, when that open palm is coming for somebody's mouth, who's winning and who's not. And mm. I think it's just a phenomenal rule set to really uh, bring to the masses. Yeah, it's easier for the casuals to to get involved with because they can see, just like what you said with your mom. It's easier to tell who's winning and who's losing because you know if you're getting you're getting scrapped across the mouth, you're losing. 
Yeah, it gives you that adrenaline. And that's what we all want is that adrenaline, that fear, that feeling of like when you watch something that, oh, I can do this. Or, oh, man, that's intense. Like you want to be on the edge of your seats. And in some forms, and there's fighting as well that doesn't give you that. There's wrestling as well that doesn't give you that. But with a combat jiu-jitsu, you're getting, you're getting striked in positions that you normally wouldn't if you're doing straight jiu-jitsu. And you're also attacking still to try to get the submission so it just it's there's always action happening and it's never a dull moment where you're gonna sit there and just kind of be like, oh shit, man, someone wanna go make some more popcorn or you wanna go to the grocery store and grab a beer. Like you don't stop that. You know, whereas in UFC fights, you sit there and you're just like, oh fuck, man. And you start talking to your friend, you don't even realize three rounds just went by of the most boring two matchups. Mm-hmm. When this if you're not if you in combat jiu-jitsu, if, if you try to sit there and relax and stop you're going to sleep or you're getting seriously hurt with an open palm. Last yeah. thing, listen, it's very similar to pancreas basically without the kicks on the feet. So I think you're getting, you're getting a lot of a look at what like early MMA kind of was anyway. Uh, and then, and then kind of quoting or not quoting, but talking about some of the rules and how, how this may be a little bit less of a fight or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a, I have a kind of a unique feeling, I guess, similar on this right here. Cause I, I fought, basically my whole MMA career prior to switching over to the uh, submission only style and tent find it. Uh, and so I was really getting caught by people uh, a lot because my style was very heavily reliant on strikes and, and using strike techniques to like open up the elbows and to make people react in a way that they don't have to react in normal jujitsu situations. Like uh, if you're in the bottom on Mount, you know, you can kind of put your elbows in tight and kind of stay safe. But in, in any situation where I can hit you, you must start using your hands to defend yourself if I can hit you. So that opens up a lot of the inside space just automatically. So, so it kind of changes the rules a lot. And then versus MMA, the only thing that I have to say about MMA is that definitely it's, it's a lot more dangerous than, than combat jiu-jitsu. The striking on the feet and stuff is a lot more dangerous. Uh, but the rules for MMA definitely take out a lot of the the value of a real jujitsu player, where where the with the quick stand ups and how, how the five minute rounds and if you know you're on top they'll they'll, they'll stop it and stand you up toward, you know yeah so in, instead of a, like a quick stand up rule I think that you should uh you know the, I like the get down rule a lot and then one of the things that we're we're trying to do here at our tournament we're not really doing a combat jujitsu one but even with the EBI rules we're going to institute using the wall wrestling. And still put the get down rule into like a, a sub only kind of situation after a minute, even even without the strikes, just to initiate those rules because that does make it more exciting and uh, it allows a like more of a free style of grappling where people you know can play off of the wall much like they can in MMA, like in submission underground and different stuff like that. It, it, I think it does give it a little bit more of a pure sense to grappling uh, without having to stand up and do so much boxing and kickboxing and stuff like that. All right, guys. Last thing that we are going to talk about, then we'll wrap it up. Um, it's not on the agenda. Where is my point? <laughs> there was a bit of a situation that happened. I want to say it was at a bar we saw Ooh, on the internet. Oh, yeah. Chilling. Knocked that. out um, a heckler, I guess we could call him. We what call are, him Johnny Douchebag. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on what happened? Johnny D. Joe correct to piece him up or what? Well, yeah. What happened? Well, so here I'll give you all the breakdown on what happened. I talked to Joe in the in the DMs. You know, me and Joe, we tight on the Instagram. Uh-oh. In the DMs and stuff, you know. So so apparently this guy was just douching it up in the bar the whole time. And he was like rapping at the bartenders and like at other patrons, like 
uh, like singing along to the rap and he was like getting in their face and just bothering people. He was hurling racial slurs at one of the employees and nobody was saying nothing. Nobody was saying nothing. And then Joe gets up, goes outside to have a smoke because, you know, Joe Schilling smoked like 12 packs a day and he's still a professional Muay Thai fighter with incredible cardio. I don't know how that happened. That's some kind of um, anomaly. But anyways, he gets up to go out and when he walks back in, that's when the video picks up. It's a video. Joe's walking in and him and Johnny Douchebag kind of bumped into each other a little bit. And then once they bumped into each other, Joe said, my bad, dude. And then the guy said something to him and Joe turned around and the guy bumped up at him and Joe hit him with an instant, like an instant, look at the bang. And the dude slept on the, oh my God. It's one of my favorite videos I've ever seen on the internet. So uh, that's the context. I'll let the other guys talk for a second. I'm with it, man. I, I thought that was like the best, man. Like, I read a whole bunch of stuff prior to when I saw the video. And, uh, dude, that dude was just a drunk asshole. He's an internet troll. He's just, a, I mean, also he's a womanizer because there's people coming out there and saying things like that as well. But, like, this is the thing, man. You need to, if you go out and you drink and you do anything of the sort, you need to respect the people around you because you don't know who the next person is. And the problem is he tried picking a fight with someone that you should never try. And he, when he lunged at him, Joe felt threatened, and he hit him with that two-piece that was vicious. And then he walked away. That's what I thought was even better. Is he walked that was the most away. Part. <laughs> he was like, okay, well, fuck, you're done. And he just walked away, go back to the seat to go eat his chips and dip, whatever he wanted to do. He had no, like, it's like that is his lifestyle. He trains for this. He trains to protect himself. He trains in a fight deal. And Joe's probably one of the coolest people ever. I've been around him. He's not an asshole. He's not. He doesn't ever instigate fights. He doesn't ever go out there and try to beat you up. But he is a very protective person that if you try to go after him, he will make sure that he's not going to be on the, the worst end of that. And that's what that guy did. That guy fucked up. He basically talked at the internet style and real, and it paid off in the wrong way. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, you don't you don't walk up to a trained killer and then flinch at him and don't expect to be picking up teeth, you know, from the ground. I think too many people get by with this internet bullshit these days where they, they can say whatever and think that there's not going to be any consequences to it. And there's people out there like Joe Schilling and others that, that, you know, you put them in a certain situation, they're, they're going to, they're going to show you uh, what they think is the way to, to handle certain things. They're not going to, they're not going to just ignore it. They're not going to wait for any like other authority to come in. They're going to consider themselves the authority. So yeah, don't be out drinking and acting stupid and trying to be, you know, racist with people or anything like that. And definitely don't try to like flinch up to a known like killer or fighter or someone that is towering over you at all. You know, it's just it was a bad move all around for this guy, it looks like, but uh justice served. People need violence. Mm. We need violence. I know that the rhetoric is that everything should be peaceful and we need to stop like behavior like this isn't acceptable. No, no, no. Johnny douchebag's behavior. That's what's unacceptable. He had zero consequences all night. He just kept amping it up, amping it up, amping it up. People do it on the internet. People talk crazy all the time. They get on the phone, they yell at people, they cuss people out, they call people names. And we need more people like Joe Schilling out there ready to deliver the one, two of justice 
to people like that because while it's super fun to watch to me seeing that justice delivered is more satisfying than honestly just about anything sign me up for that all day it was a two three not a one two just just by the way that's all it was right there (laughs) i'm gonna be honest with you but like i've been out and i was out a couple weeks ago and the same scenario happened we're inside of an elevator there's like 10 people in it. People are waiting for their, uh, they're waiting for their friends. So they're holding the elevator. I made a couple comments. like, Hey guys, just like, let it go. Like, let's just go. I don't even know who these people were. I found out afterwards who they were. It got to the point we're in the elevator and it's starting to make that buzzard noise where the elevator's trying to shut down. I was like, Hey guys, dude, just let it go. A man that I had no idea who it was turned around, put his hands in my face, like a karate chop hand right on my face and said, chill the fuck out. And all I did look at him and said, dude, I will slap the fucking piss out of you ever do that again. He turned around, didn't say anything. Come to find out it was a Kansas City Chiefs player, but it wasn't a player. It was a recruiter or a practice squad kid. (laughs) Is that he felt that since he had some sort of entitlement and he was cool in some way, that he could talk to whatever he wanted, however he wanted. But little did he know, luckily one of his friends knew who I was and basically told him, hey, you better shut the fuck up you ever did anything it would be in a situation that it would be on the local news Kansas City Chiefs player gets knocked out by a you know UFC fighter and that's all you're going to hear about now we're hearing about with Joe Schilling's guy Joe Schilling or MMA fighter knocks out um a bar guy or Johnny Douchebag and it's because people feel like they can disrespect you in real life since they've been doing it on the internet or feel like they can do whatever they want without any cards that's not the case man like you can't just do shit because what if that was somebody else from like a different part of the woods that had a gun and you flinched at him and he pulled out a shot, you know, like, yeah. well, man. we talking about, Hey, you can't just flinch up on a guy like Joe Schilling. Well, he didn't know it was Joe Schilling for sure. I don't he think probably, anybody. probably just found out who Joe Schilling was after he woke up. But the point is you can't act like that to anybody. You can't behave that way in a polite society. The only reason that people ever act that way is because there ain't enough Joe Schillings in the world. And if people would respond, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying we should call for violence in every situation, but I'm saying there are some situations where violence is the only answer. And really at the end of the day, violence is the only way anything gets solved, or at least the threat of violence Try to get pulled over for a parking ticket and then don't pay the ticket and watch what happens. You get called to court. Don't show up for court and watch what happens. The police show up at your house eventually. Don't uh, Try to tell the police you ain't going to the jail and watch what happens. Violence ensues. Violence, at the end of the day, it's the threat of violence or the threat of bodily harm is what keeps everybody in line. You know, we don't think about that, but that's what's coming at the end always, so... Uh, somebody in the comments said, give violence a chance. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a quote that I fucking have right there. Give violence a chance. Sean, uh, uh, one of my buddies, Sean, with um, he has a, a T-shirt that says, give violence a chance. And his uh, T-shirt brand is um, Alpha. What is it? Um, oh, shit. I can't even think of it off the top of my head. Oh, but you hurt his feelings just now, Julian. Ah, don't, don't get mad at me. 
<laughs> Sometimes we make mistakes. It's okay. We're, I'm a human. I, I didn't flinch at you. So we cool. All right, guys. It a missile. Time to tally up these points. Let's see who our victor is. Sierra? Line's not sheep. There it is. There you go. Line's not sheep. So drum roll, please. We have a tie. BMAC mm -hmm. and SCAF are tied at 12. Oh, do we do a tiebreaker? We both just go. Hmm. But SCAF got a pooper. I got oh, pooped. Randy got multiple, him. though. Got pooped. Oh, you guys got multiple? So you both, you both got eliminated because uh, I guess it's Brandon, up to now. You're the man today. Keelan, you have to call it. You're the moderator, man. Brandon, you're right, the man well, today. I suppose you're the winner today. We'll give you one. Oh, dude, I finally got a, a win on my own show. All right, take all these scrubs off the screen and let me say what I got to say. <clears throat> BrandonMC.ninja, www.brandonmc.ninja. That's where my instructionals are. You want to learn some jujitsu from a guy in a hat and glasses. <laughs> I don't normally teach in the hat and glasses, but I also want to say if you're interested, and paying with crypto, I will give you 50% off. Slide in my DMs. I accept crypto. That's all. All right. That's a wrap for Around the Mat. Thank you for joining, everybody. Until the next time, we're out. <laughs>